Welcome into the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America. It is December 27th. We're in that weird space right now, Ethan. Uh, we got Ethan Westerman of Whole Hog Sports with me. Um, and Blake Sutton behind the scenes. Happy to have both of these guys with me again. We're kind of like me and Blake and, and Spencer were talking about this a little bit before Ethan got here. We're kind of like in that weird space between Christmas and New Year's where, I don't know, I kind of feel useless because content hasn't exactly been flowing to me. It's been good to have like some some downtime, I think, after football and, and basketball took off um, full speed, 100 miles an hour. How are you doing? How are you doing with this with this downtime? Did you get any downtime, and, and how was your Christmas, buddy? Yeah, it's definitely weird. You know, you're go 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 since August with football, and then all of a sudden it's like you get slapped with. It's, it feels like the summer for a week. It's weird, um, just with nothing going on. But I mean, I enjoyed it. I I was so glad you had that Talia Scott freshman of the week story written because I was about I was literally texting you when you asked me if I could read that story. I was going to text you to see if you were working because I was going to be more than happy to do it because I don't I haven't as of like right now and I'm not bragging about this but I haven't written anything since the <laughs> Abilene Christian game <laughs> so spoil spoiler alert to anybody out there who writes about Arkansas women's basketball just go ahead and pre-write a Talia Scott freshman of the week story every single week and there's I mean I can give you the exact percentage right now because that was her fifth out of uh uh, seven weeks. Seven weeks, yeah. That you have a seventy-one point four percent chance of you'll need it. So, um, yeah, she she came through for me then. Um, well, really, the league office did uh, for being technical, but Talia did too. Oh, she yeah, had she had to do it for them to recognize her for sure. And some other freshmen had to not have as good of weeks um, as some of them had been having. So it, it worked out. Um, but it was good. A lot of downtime. A lot of pickleball playing. Um, I'm really sore. I don't know if that means I just played a lot. I played a lot, but I also don't know if that just means I'm really out of shape because I see a lot of people much older than me who can play pickleball for as long as I did, and they seem to be just fine whenever they get done. So Never played pickleball before. And now you come in here talk, telling, telling us about how sore you are makes me not really want to play. Do it. It's, don't, don't let me deter you. It's the fastest growing sport in America. Yeah. Imagine is Chip teaching a class on that yet <laughs> in Bentonville somewhere. He asks me about it every time I see him. I've played pickleball, I think, two times in my life. And every time I see Chip, he's like, You've been playing any pickleball lately? <laughs> it's <laughs> not, an easy icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wait till I see him next time. It's going to be good. But yeah, no, like you said, it's just a weird downtime for us, I yeah. think. It's like we feel like a fish that just got thrown out of the water because it's like we've been go 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 and it's it feels similar to me uh just from i guess how i'm feeling about it It feels similar to like before football season how you're ready for like a because that's it feels like you know before football season you know there's a big thing waiting yeah and right now we know like it's like league basketball is just like kind of it's like oh it's about to really start and each year at least for me, like, the non-conference is fun with basketball. Like, I mean, there's a lot that happens in it, clearly. I mean, this year you look at Arkansas, for example. I mean, ESPN doesn't have them on the bubble right now. Like, clearly it was a pretty wild non-conference schedule, but it doesn't feel like it gets real to me until conference season. I mean, so much happens in the span of a conference schedule that, like, there's always teams that weren't on the bubble They ended up in the tournament. There's always teams that were really highly seeded out of non-conference and then they're fighting for their tournament life. Like, it all happens in conference season. So it just feels to me, I'm like, 
It's like the calm before the storm of just like we are going to have two games a week. It's going to be playing people that you know every the names of all the players on their teams. You aren't having to do as much research. Still a lot of research, but not as much. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for it. I think this break was good for us because I know once uh, this conference schedule starts, it's it's we're going to be looking up in in March and we're going to be saying, "Wow, that went pretty fast." I think I, I think I just kind of feel a little bit out of rhythm because Arkansas's played, gosh, three games. They've played three games since, or they played four games this month, and it's December twenty seventh. I'm ready, like I, like you. I think I'm about ready to get into that rhythm and routine with a game on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then Saturday, and then knowing that that's that's what's coming. I'm I'm over these nine days between games, and like I'm I'm gonna be real honest. It was very nice over this kind of this Christmas break. Um, to only open my laptop to watch like a docu series that I'm really into on HBO Max, like that was that was really nice. Like you don't get to do that very often. Um, Eric Musselman probably really enjoyed going to San Diego for a few days. Like, yeah, was, it seemed he, like it was really a few days. I was like, you got yeah. back to Fayetteville pretty quick. Yeah, I mean they had practice Christmas night, um, and they were going to jump back into into two a days. Um, I don't exactly know when we're going to talk to him. I haven't gotten an email from Mike Kaywood yet, so I would imagine that availability is going to be on Thursday, uh, so two days before the game. Um, Arkansas has got a really tough test coming up against UNC Wilmington. I think any of these UNC-whoever schools, um, those teams can give you some fits. And we talked about UNC Wilmington on the last podcast. They went to, to Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky to to open the month. And they were really, really impressive. And then all of a sudden, Kentucky's taking their new floor up because they took an L uh, on that court. So it's a, it's a tough team to face. And then Arkansas is going to get right into um, SEC play. But I think it's after another week off. Like, I don't think the opener is until January 6th against Auburn. Um, before we dive into Kind of a 2023 Arkansas basketball year in review. I don't know if anybody would be interested in that. I just kind of want to take a look back. This will be the last podcast that we do uh, before the calendar hits 2024. Um, Christmas gifts. What do we get? What what's kind of like at the at the the top of the list in terms of things that you guys got? This is me personally, or am I re- am I gifting this basketball team again like we did last? Oh no! Time? I mean, what what did you, what did you get for uh, Christmas that you liked the most? You know. I really haven't even thought about it. Um, what Ethan I got my, too much stuff. He just he well, just no, said. I really did. I, I think that this is like I'm a recent college grad. Um, I'm 23 years old. For all of you out there, I think this is the first Christmas I feel like I've got reached. I guess the adult stage of I was like, oh, I'm just glad to be with everybody. Like I really didn't care. Like I was like, and you got family all over the country. Yeah, right? it was just it was just fun to be with people. I yeah. guess if I'm picking a gift, I got. Um, you know, Ethan's favorite gift was family time. That's probably family time. I'm picking the really wholesome love, answer. Mom will love that answer. Um, I will give my older brother a shout out though. He's from. He lives in Connecticut, and he uh, brought back some authentic. I guess from Vermont or somewhere, some authentic maple syrup, and he gave me a bottle. So shout out to him. I'm sure the pancakes will be. Yeah, the next be time busted. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you get, Blake? I saw. Um, so the the shirt that you got your dad that's got your daughter's face all over it, dude. That was so good. Cause you you yeah. see those targeted ads on like Facebook and 
um, and Instagram. I think it was that that T-shirt where it's got the dog named Tater Tot, like <laughs> with Tater Tot's face all over the shirt. But you made yeah. that for your 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 dad with your daughter's face on it. That was perfect. Yeah, my wife put that together. She was a little worried because the website she got it from was pretty sketchy. It was called buyhimgift.com, and she was afraid, like, I don't know if this is ever going to come in. But uh, it came in before Christmas, and she got my dad one, and she got her dad one, and they really stole the show on Christmas morning. Uh, everybody just cackling, you know. But, yeah, I'm kind of with Ethan. I think uh, fellowship with friends and family is the greatest gift of all. That's a really good answer. I we're, told you, we're wholesome on this. Like I told you, I was going to try to do this. Um, hold on a second. Ready? Very nice. Got some. Got some Nike blazers. Shout out to my mother-in-law. Heck yeah. That really was, uh, flexible. <laughs> that, that, I'm out of breath now. Um, <laughs> haven't been the healthiest soul over this Christmas break, and that kind of took it a little bit out of me. Um, I also got. I think for my mom, I got a. Um, Phoenix Suns quarter zip, like the like you watch a lot of NBA games. You know oh, yeah. the the new quarter zips that the the coaches are wearing on mm-hmm. the sideline. I got the olive colored Phoenix Suns pullover. Um, I'm already thinking about selling it because I hate that team so much, um, but I really really like it. Um, I, I realized the other day um, I was getting ready for bed and I took the the pullover off and I never took the tags off, but I wore it all day. I just had the tags kind of stuck, tucked down the the back of it. Also got a um, also got a hot sauce variety pack. It's like I think it's eight different kinds of of hot sauces. I think the the hottest one is a Carolina Reaper um, cream sauce. I think you can put it on wings and stuff. And you give me anything with with any kind of spice in it, I'm I'm all about that. Sounds delish. We almost just gave an advertisement to our local Nashville hot chicken stand in Fayetteville that Scotty loves. Yeah, Dots Dots is the place. I've been in my mind anyway. They've sponsored the podcast for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a, a a stomach ache waiting to happen. But I think it's it's obviously well worth it. Anything else that that stood out in terms of of gifts and stuff, or what what was like the favorite gift that you gave? Um, my little brother is very just. He, I mean, I'm over here complaining about being sore from pickleball. I think he lives in perpetual just soreness. He's a football player at UAM, um, okay. Arkansas Monticello. And so he loves anything like that just can cure soreness, yeah. like mas- massage guns and stuff. So I uh, picked out this like rolling thing that you put on the ground and just roll your foot on and works out, you know, muscle soreness in your foot. And it turns out he also got like us from his another side of the family got like a, a foot spa thing so his feet should be feeling really great uh thanks to me and unnamed gift giver from his wife's side there you go Blake did you give anything that you were particularly proud of I've, I've got one but I want to let y'all go first yeah um at lids at the mall they can they can personalize hats they can like embroider a nickname on the side of a hat you know mm-hmm. And one thing I've done for my dad, he goes by, my dad's name's Ken, and he goes by Papa Ken with all the grandkids. And so I got him a, a Razorback hat with uh, Papa Ken embroidered on the side. Oh, there you go. Which is not the first, it was, he, I'd done that before with the same nickname on the side, but that one was getting a little worn out. It was like the only hat that he wore. So I uh, got him a fresh one. Time for a new one. That's cool. I, um, I'm, I don't know really how to shop for my wife 
for Christmas. And so I'm just like, let's get in the car. You tell me where you want to go. And then you pick stuff out and I will literally, I'll walk around and carry it for you. Like, let's just, let's make this easy. Um, we went to Brick City the other day uh, next to, to Big Whiskey and she was picking out, she picked out some shoes and a shirt, a kind of a, a shirt slash hoodie. It almost looked like the Sam Pittman hoodie that was kind of polarizing late in the, late in the football season. Kind of looked like one of those, but it really wasn't. Um, and while she wasn't looking, I picked up this keychain that's just got um, Eric Musselman's face on it. And I stuck that in her stocking. And I think that was, that was the gift that got the, the, the biggest reaction. I was pretty proud of that one. Um, I don't think I, like, other than that, I think it was pretty, like, it was pretty standard. Like, we got our, our kids, you know, obviously some, some pretty cool stuff. And my dad's coming up later in the week. Um, I don't know. I'm probably going to have to just get him more golf balls with my face on it. That was a, I did that one time. Um, my dad told me when we were growing up that golf can be like a really great stress reliever. And when, like, if you're trying to maximize contact, you just act like there's a face of the most annoying person in your life on the, on the back of the ball. So a few years ago, it actually just popped up in my Facebook memories. I got on this website and I put my head shot on the back of a golf ball and I gave it to my brothers. I might actually do that with my dad again this year. Uh, but I may have may have waited too long. What have y'all thought of Arkansas basketball in 2023? I mean, it's been – I mean, I haven't come up with the an exact record. I don't think it's – I don't think it's that great. Um, but it's been a it's been a, an interesting year because the, the two teams that Eric has had in this calendar year, really, really young, um, but a really, really talented team last year, um, that I don't know that like they ever really figured it out, but they figured it out for like maybe their second biggest game of the year, obviously. And then this year, Arkansas comes in with all these expectations. Man, they're top 15 in the country to start the year, and then it's been it's it's been a, a strange season to this point to where like Arkansas is not even receiving votes in the AP top 25 AP top 25 anymore, which I've said this before, but I never thought that I would. I thought that I would see that at this point in the season or ever in the season. Um, it's just been an interesting year, I think, for, for Arkansas basketball. And, and I think you're, you're seeing maybe um, Eric's really had his work cut out for him, I think, with these two teams. But still got to a Sweet 16 earlier in the year. I mean, there's obviously there's a lot to be – there's a lot to, to that's going to unfold in front of us in the next few months. But – um, just just any any thoughts in general on on what Arkansas basketball's been this year? Well, well, and you know, going back to last year, it's funny. The NCAA tournament is is I've always thought it's it's a really strange way to crown a champion. It's not like any other sport where you you know it's it's win in advance and you lose and your season's over. Um, other sports don't really crown a champion that way in a in a, a tournament, but. The good part of it is, is like in Arkansas's case, they go eight and ten in conference. They finished tenth in the SEC. From that perspective, it was a disappointing season. But then you win two games in the tournament. You make the Sweet Sixteen. Now all of a sudden, it's a it's a successful season, and, and now all of a sudden, it's one to remember. So, in in that regard, the NCAA tournament is kind of cool. 
And yeah. on the flip side, you look at the team Arkansas beat to make the Sweet 16 Kansas. They're a one seed in the tournament, uh, won a ton of games. They lose one game in the NCAA tournament. Now all of a sudden, it's not a successful season. Right. So, um, yeah, last year made the Sweet 16, so it's a successful season. This year, yeah, has, it definitely has a different feel. Because if you go back to last year, you saw all the pieces, you saw all the talent, and it was just a matter of time before they put it all together, and they finally did. I don't think we're really seeing that this year. This year is, is kind of a – it's still a big question mark about who's going to step up, who's going to be the leaders on the team, and are they – now it's a question of even if they're going to make the NCAA tournament. That's still a few months off, obviously. Right. But I was just reading an article this morning about pro- conference projections for the entire SEC. This author said in Arkansas's – first eight games in the SEC, they're projected to go one and seven. Yikes. And I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen, but yeah, yikes is yeah probably the best word to describe that. So Was that like Ken Palm projections, like game-by-game game game projections maybe? Yeah, Ken Palm, Torvik or whatever kind of a combination. But if Arkansas starts one and seven in conference play, it's, yeah, it's going to get, it's going to get ugly. But, um, but like we said last week, sometimes you just have a, Bad season in basketball. That's yeah. That's not an indictment of Musselman or his system or the program or anything like that. I mean, it happens. It happens to every program. Sometimes you just have a, a bad year. And but hey, depending on how things go, Arkansas could finish 14th in the SEC and then win a couple games in the tournament. And they're in the Sweet 16, and it's a <laughs> successful season. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna have to win a bunch of. They'll probably have to win the SEC tournament after finishing last, and then. You know, maybe come through as a fifteen. Does anything stand out to you at all, Ethan? I mean, I'm I'm just thinking back to like um, all of the post game zooms for road games that just like didn't turn out Arkansas's way, and I'm just I've got my fingers crossed big time that I'm the first person that gets called on, so Bob doesn't take all the questions that everybody has, and then we get called on, and I'm like, uh, uh, well, we'll air, and then I end up asking Eric uh, an upset Eric Musselman the same question that Bob just asked. That's those were those were not fun nights at the house. Yeah, I I guess stands out to me about we're talking about the calendar year 2023 of Arkansas basketball. So yep. bleeding over. I mean, in this year, Arkansas has beaten Kansas and Duke. I mean, pretty cool that that's happened within the past year. Um, the beat Kansas Kentucky win, on the road too. Beat Kentucky on the road. Um, granted, I don't think. I think the magnitude of those Kansas, it's weird to like beating Kentucky on the road is always big, but that, that Kansas and Duke games, it's like I, I just slipped my mind. They beat Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess that's just where we're at. Yeah, beat them, by, beat them by 15, too. Yeah. I think that was the, I could be wrong about this, but I vaguely remember writing that was like the second biggest margin of victory um, in an Arkansas Kentucky game. I could be getting that wrong, but I think I remember writing that at the time. Yeah, but I mean, they've had like, it's, that's, I guess, what I think about with the year 2023 with Arkansas basketball is they've had a really high highs and I feel like really low lows. Yeah. Um, it's just been kind of up and down and you wonder, you feel like, you know, moving into this SEC play, it's like you've had really high highs, you've had really low lows. Does this mean that you're either going to figure it out and piece it together and all of a sudden go on a run? Like are you seeing, or does this mean that, um, you know, we talked about it last time, actually. Um, I think Blake pointed it out. The team hadn't responded to adversity well at all this year, and then Abilene Christian rolls along, and they're down at halftime, and they actually responded to adversity for the first time. 
that's why I'm like, it's either going to be really, really high, like you're going to start piecing some stuff together and go on a run and show what you've shown in some of those games you've had your highs, or are you going to start out flat and kind of, you know, wave the white flag and say, let's try again next year. Um, I'm excited to see how it plays out because this is whenever I think about Arkansas basketball this year, it's just been really, really up and down. I mean, they could have lost had they lost, which I don't like living in hypotheticals too much because I mean, they, they won them, <laughs> but say they, they lose to Illinois in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah. There'd be a totally different feeling about Arkansas basketball right now sure. than there is. Um, if they lost to Duke, at home this year there'd be a totally different feel about this season because you're kind of hanging your hat on that right now like oh well this team did beat duke and duke's figuring it out now too um yeah it's just you you wonder with this team is it gonna are they gonna figure it out and you're gonna be reminiscent of years of the past or is it gonna be is this team really that much different um like it feels like to us at least and they're not gonna have as successful as of a season at all I think that Illinois game in the NCAA tournament, man, if you lose that, I think what Arkansas basketball fans would be hanging on to right now is the Duke game this year, obviously, and then the fact that Illinois now is really good. Like Terrence Shannon, I don't know if y'all have watched much Illinois basketball. I watched bragging rights. I've watched a few Illinois games because um, Saracen, Saracen made the game more interesting. But Terrence Shannon is probably one of the best guards in the country, and I think that Illinois team is top 15 in the country, and they just smacked Missouri around. Um, but the Kansas, like we mentioned, that Arkansas has beaten Duke, Kansas, and Kentucky in this calendar year, which I don't know how many other programs can can claim that, which is probably not probably not that many um, that fit that criteria that played them like Arkansas did. Um, but the Kansas game, do you feel like it? Do you feel like it? pushed expectations for Arkansas basketball too high in the moment or I think like I it, I was there in the moment I'm just like this is Eric Musselman doing his thing again like he had time to, he had you know a short turnaround obviously from the Illinois game but it's just kind of Eric Musselman's postseason magic I think that that he was working I didn't come into and I'll say that I didn't I don't think that that pushed expectations too high I just kind of saw it as like Eric's good at this. Like, there's a difference, I think, in being a good regular season coach, Rick Barnes, and Eric Musselman being a a good postseason coach. Like, I think there's a a difference there. Um, Obviously, you'd like to have a coach that's good in the regular season and the postseason. Um, But I think Eric's a great postseason coach, gets gets his guys bought in on, hey, let's just lock in. Nothing, literally nothing else around us matters other than this one game. Let's go win it. I don't think the Kansas game impacted my expectations for this year because it's an entirely different team. Like, why would that? I don't know. Maybe I'm answering. I don't know why I asked the question. Yeah, I think but the it's expectations. It's just an entirely are, different team, and yeah. you, you like, you went to the Sweet 16 last year with a flawed team, and then you got a lot older, more experienced. You got more shooting. Um, I think the front court coming into the year was maybe a little bit of an issue, especially with TB coming back from injury and Jalen Graham um, missing his back. Um, but it was just an entirely different team, and so I think expectations were, I think they were set in a in a pretty fair place. I think the the expectations were so high because it felt coming into the season, and you can see there's talent, but it just felt like you're 
this is an Eric Mus- like just a transfer heavy team. Like, oh, this is where he's like, you know, going to be cooking is having all these guys that identified out of the portal that are talented, going to get them to come together. I think that's where the expectations came from. I think the Sweet 16, what it did was the Sweet 16 gave you, gave at least nationally, I feel like a feel of just trust, <laughs> trust Eric Musselman, trust like this program. Like it, it kind of felt like that, um, that moment of, this is for real. This isn't a fluke. They've made it to the second weekend uh, three years in a row. Yeah. Um, I think that that's where this year's expectations came. It was coupled with the fact of like, look, this is a they they can coach their butts off, and this is now a roster coming in with his type of guys. Um, I do think that like we're talking about like Eric like Eric doing his thing in the postseason. Like that's what that Kansas game felt like. I do think. It was a culmination of that. It was obviously had to be a good game plan if you ever upset the number one team, but also just Devo playing the game of his. I mean, when other is there another time you can think of where after a game Eric is that visible? Like he was hugging Devo. Like it was like basically, it felt like you saved us in this game. Like I I just don't know another time that there's been like an individual performance where you've seen Eric like. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's a, a an individual performance that good. But the the thing that comes to mind is Trey Wade against Gonzaga. Yeah, where <laughs> he was just like Unk was out there just hooping. Yeah, and I I just I remember Eric. I think he was hugging one of his boys. I think it was Matthew. I think um, Charlie Kaijo got some really good shots of of that. Just the the elation. I think that's maybe the only thing that I can I can maybe compare yeah. it to. It's it's funny because I think last year like the expectations uh, expectations got set high for this year because of a magical moment in March where Devo played the game of his life and it did show the the coaching job uh, Eric and his staff do and then coupled with this batch of players they had coming in. Um, I'd, that game, you know, you were very glad that you won it. Like, I mean, that was such an awesome game against Kansas. Um, anybody out there who's saying like, oh, it would have been better to lose so the expectations weren't high, like, get out of here with that. Get out of here with that. No, that literally doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. I've seen I've seen this comment of people saying like, "Oh, we got lucky last year in the tournament. Should have just lost it, so people would know we're frauds." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" No, the expectations were set when I think Eric got Arkansas kind of over that hump initially, beating Texas Tech in the round of 32 to get to the Sweet 16, um, and then you win again and you go to the you go to the Elite Eight, and then the next year you knock off the number one overall seed. And you go and play Duke in the Elite Eight, and then you come back, and then you you get to the Sweet Sixteen again. Like th- those are the expectation raising yeah. moments. I mean, it's not one game in particular. It's just it's it's the culmination of of all those. Damn, they really won that game. If there's and they're you know they're kind of they're back on the map. If there's anything you can learn from social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, where our stories and stuff go at, um, people have very short term memory. <laughs> very short term memory. They forget. A lot of this stuff. Um, yeah, I think the whole staff needs to go because they beat Lipscomb by three. Yeah, I mean it is. It's kind of like one. It's it's it's. I've seen some pretty wild, outlandish stuff from, you know, comments wise on on Facebook and and all that. I want to go through um, real quick. I think I think one of the words, or this may not be real quick. One of the words that kind of comes to mind with Arkansas basketball in twenty twenty three was. Um, just I don't know if chaotic is the right word, 
But if you kind of run through, the, I don't, I'm not going to run through all of these games um, from last season, starting in, in January. But there was just some, there were some things that happened that just like, oh, that happened this year. That was this year. Um, you open the you open the year with a home win over Missouri, and then two games later, you've got Alabama at home, and you're down. You got Jalen Graham going God mode, and then he gives up a couple corner threes, and Arkansas ends up losing at home to Alabama by 15. The next game, you go get your doors blown off at Vanderbilt. I see what you did there. And then, no pun intended, uh, but that was that was pretty that was pretty sharp on my part. And then you go to Missouri, and there's that blown call in the lane. I think where Devo tried to take a charge, and then the SEC had to put out a statement saying that they got the call wrong. Um, and then Adam Miller and LSU came to town, and Adam Miller, you know, going back to the the SEC opener, Arkansas at LSU, there was. Lots of fireworks in that game. Um, Arkansas lost narrowly in the same night that Arkansas football almost blew a, a huge lead to Kansas in the Liberty Bowl. Um, but Adam Miller was tweeting before our, before Arkansas LSU was like, "We're coming to Fay Atville. We don't don't want that smoke or whatever." And then Arkansas holds LSU to forty points. That was good. Um, then Arkansas goes to Kentucky, wins by fifteen. Jalen Graham goes God mode again against Florida. Um, then Arkansas almost wins at Alabama. And then, you know, just about time for the SEC tournament. Nick Smith hits a jumper to to beat Auburn in the SEC tournament. Then Arkansas turns around and loses to Texas A&M. They go to the tournament, beat Illinois, beat Kansas, lose to UConn. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty freaking up and down, chaotic, like helter-skelter, don't know what you're exactly going to get. Um, I think I'm going to remember that team from last season. Obviously, I think Anthony Black stands out above above anybody else. I mean, we're pretty soon. I know me and Matt, and I think you're going to do it too. Just like your your favorite stories that you wrote in 2023. I think I picked five, and I was this close to making two of my Anthony Black stories in my top five. And the reasoning is like you just don't you don't cover guys like AB very often where. You know, he was really good at doing a little bit of everything. And then when Arkansas was playing pretty well, he was doing a lot of everything. And it wasn't, you know, obviously there were, and I wrote this in this little story that we'll probably put out later in the year. Um, there, were, there were signs that A.B. was not like this super nice guy all the time, like especially the Vanderbilt game where he's like doing one of these at the at the students because they're, they're giving him hell and, he he basically baited a couple players into technical fouls and stuff, but it wasn't until like that NCAA tournament and the the NCAA opens up the locker rooms during the NCAA tournaments. I'm talking to Gus Arginal and Keith Smart and Trevin Brazil and Kamani Johnston. They're like, yeah, AB talks more trash than anybody on the team. And so I'm like trying to paint like this full picture of this kid, and he's tough and he's humble, um, and he's like everything that. Eric Musselman could want in a guy, but he also talks more trash than anybody on the team. I thought that those stories like that stand out, kids like that stand out. Um, and then shout out to AB. He went for, what was it, a career high? Break? He went yeah. for a career high 23 points last night. Um, helped me win a little bit of money. They beat, beat Washington and Daniel Gafford. Yeah, AB had like 17 points in the first half, finished with 23 points, six rebounds, um, four steals. I mean that's that's an AB line if I've ever seen it. Um, is there are there are there any guys that I think maybe in particular that you kind of miss watching or, or miss covering? 
I mean, this could be um, for men's men's and women's side, I guess. But AB just he he stands out kind of above the rest for me, for obvious reasons. Yeah, um, it's like I'm going blank. Aside from AB, it's <laughs> I feel like he was just kind of the face of that team as a freshman. I really grew to to enjoy, and not that I didn't like being around him. Um, we just weren't around him much. It, like Kamani Johnson in those open locker rooms, he was the first person to champion anybody's name. I know him and Bob Holt got tight in the yeah, pressers. Really uh, they were talking about, I think Bob said something about the OGs and it made Kamani laugh. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's got to be weird. This is, I mean, I'm so fresh to covering the Razorbacks. This is uh, your number what for you? So you got 2017, 18, 18, 19. I think this is like fifth or sixth year, I think. Yeah, I just figure it's, for me, it's like it's, it's kind of weird because it's all fresh to me, but I'm sure for you it's got to be kind of like a little sentimental thinking back on some of the guys that <laughs> covered their careers here. Yeah, there's some good, there's some good dudes. Um, AB was a young guy, like freshman straight out of Duncanville, um, and Arkansas leaned on him a lot after those tough losses. Like I remember when Arkansas blew that lead late at Texas A&M um, on the road when they really needed a win. And I remember somebody told me um, they were trying to go. They were going into the locker room trying to get get somebody to come talk to us on the post game Zoom, and everybody was like, "No, no, not doing it, not doing it, not doing it." And then finally got around to AB, and AB was like, yeah, "I'll do it." That, I mean, that's just that's who AB was, and I I, I really miss um, kind of the interactions with him and just seeing him, um, just like around the NCAA tournament when, um, you know, when we weren't watching him practice or weren't interviewing him or whatever, and just kind of those kind of of relationship building moments, um, those were pretty fun. Uh, We're going to hit a break, and when we come back, we'll get into more of our 2023 year in review, and then Arkansas does have a game this weekend against UNC Wilmington. Uh, We found some interesting stuff uh, on those guys that I think you guys will probably find pretty interesting too. And we'll maybe get into some keys of the game. Stick with us on the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America. Stay on top of all Arkansas Razorbacks sports with a Digital Plus subscription on the Hogs Illustrated app. Get complete Razorbacks coverage in one location. Your subscription gives you 20-plus issues of Hogs Illustrated magazine, the most unique and compelling coverage anywhere in the state, plus total access to all the content on wholehogsports.com, including breaking news, commentaries, analysis, features, recruiting, award-winning photos, and premium message boards. Subscriptions start at just $17 per month. Join the Hog Sports Network team at subscribe.waco.com. That's subscribe.wehco.com. Or call 479-684-5509 to get your front row seat to Arkansas Razorback Sports. Go Hogs! Welcome back into the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America. Me and Ethan were talking during the break um, about where we wanted to take this to next. I didn't write a script at all. We're just kind of winging it. Um, I brought up the the topic of best performances by a Razorback in 2023. I think there's there's a bunch, and I think obviously you want to put Devo against Kansas at the top. Are there any are there any other ones? I mean, there there are obviously some good performance. There are obviously some really good performances from several guys that I think you could point to. Um, I think obviously the Devo 
against Kansas performance as like maybe in a class of its own, mm-hmm. um, just given the the magnitude of it and the stage that it was on. But another one that really stands out to me was Tremont Mark against North Carolina in the Bahamas. I mean, and maybe it, maybe it was just because I was like from here to the screen that I can see Blake on like ten or twelve feet away from from the action. But he was he was so he was phenomenal, man. He was pretty much the only the only guy on that team at that point on the third third game in three days that had a pulse. Um, and he was just I've tweeted this several times in the past. He was in his bag like his fries were at the bottom, hitting mid range pull ups, threes, getting to the rim, you name it. Obviously, that game was was marred for him by that uh, that injury with with less than two minutes left. But I, I think that's one that that might be honestly that might be my number two performance of, of the season. Um, if I had to name a couple other ones, Jalen Graham's gotten loose in some games too. Like that game he had against Georgia was phenomenal. Um, I think it was or it was Florida. Florida. I was about yeah, to say Castleton Nick Smith out. against Georgia. Nick Smith was good head. against Georgia. I think yep. he scored like thirty. They scored thirty in that game. Or am I making this up that it was a way bigger game for him than it actually was? He ended up with 26 in that 26. game. 26. It felt like 30 to me. I remember he was in his bag moments of that game. Um, yeah, I don't really – I can't think of too many more just like crazy good individual performances. I'll give a – since I cover the women's side, I'll give you two over there, though. I watched Sailor Poffenbarger get 23 rebounds in a game against Florida State this year that I just – it set a program record. It felt like anything that missed, she was grabbing it. It's right. weird whenever you're looking at someone, you're like, oh, what a, like, that's such a crazy performance that sticks out to me. But I mean, she was rebounding like her life depended on it. Right. And then um, I went to SEC women's tournament last year in Greenville, and Chrissy Carr, who is a grad transfer on that team last year, she scored, I think, 34 to keep, to, to win their game against Missouri. And there was a moment where it was like, She's not going to miss. Just get her the ball, and she's going to make it. So those are the two that stand out. Yeah. Talia Scott, if you're listening to this, you're going to give me plenty of these moments <laughs> that I'll be – I'm giving Sailor and Chrissy their shine right now. Just but a I have, year from now, we'll have that one on a say, tier of its own. Whenever we're doing the recap next year, I'll I'll have five of yours ready to go because they're coming. They're they're already there, but, I mean, right. I could choose some, but I'll I'll wait till she she gives us a 40 ball, which will happen at some point. Oh, I'm sure. So, um Blake, do you have anything that that stands out to you? Yeah, the the image. Well, I know we already talked a lot about Anthony Black, but kind of the image that sticks out for me the most was that game at Kentucky, when uh, I think it was still before halftime, but Anthony Black got a steal kind of at the middle of the court and then ran down and dunked it, and it just kind of, I think it ended up putting Arkansas up by like eleven or twelve at the time, and the Kentucky players looked so deflated, the crowd looked. So deflated, it was just a just a really satisfying moment, and that was a game. I think we talked about it maybe a couple pods ago. That was the game following that South Carolina game that was a real scare for Arkansas, and to see them come out like that and respond and, and beat Kentucky on the road, um, yeah, Anthony Black's performance in that game was was really good. That that's kind of the image when you started talking about like individual performances, just that that image of him getting that steal and then dunking it. That's kind of what the first thing that popped into my mind. I've got that box score pulled up. He had 19 points, four rebounds, five assists, one block, five steals. 
That's stupid. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> On the road for a freshman in Rupp. That's pretty outrageous. Um, I was trying to think of some other ones. Um, that Georgia, Arkansas put up 97 in that game against Georgia. Nick Smith went for 26. Ricky Council had 22. The game before, Jalen Graham got absolutely loose. He had 26 points on 12 of, 12 of 14 on two-point shots. Um, I think maybe that Nick Smith game winner in the SEC tournament against Auburn, I think that was – that was really big because what it like that team that that team went into the SEC tournament knowing that it had to do something there. If Nick doesn't hit that shot, dude, Arkansas already got in with a win. They got in as a eight seed or nine seed. Yeah, I mean, they were in the eight nine game. I don't remember yeah. which one they were, but and that was with that win. And that was I remember whenever the seeding came out, it was kind of like, oh, that might have gotten a favorable seed. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking about to the um, the Mitchell twins teaming up to to kind of slow down Oscar Shebway in, in Rupp Arena too. I think that one was pretty big. Um, seen some pretty good opposing performances too this year. I think like the one that stands out obviously is Antonio, Antonio Reeves. Reeves. Oh my goodness! And Bud Walton he put 37 on Arkansas, and then um, R.J. Davis went crazy in in the Bahamas against Arkansas for North Carolina and then David Jones did it like the day before. I Who mean, was the Greensboro dude? I know it first half. That was uh Keyshawn Langley. Keyshawn Langley. Yeah. That dude also had a phenomenal out <laughs> Yeah. Individual and then, performance. You know, Trevin Brazil um in the Bahamas, he had a monster double double there. Um Caleb Battles had some had some Really big games. He had twenty one, five and five against Duke. Like those are those are pretty special numbers to put up against a uh, a blue blood and an upset. You know, this may be recency bias on my part, but if we're talking about kind of impactful performances, Tremont marked the other night against Abilene Christian in the second half. You know, Arkansas was down by seven. I'm watching that game and I'm thinking, you know, are they gonna respond and they haven't responded to adversity this year. Are they gonna do it? Now and then, what right when the second half started, didn't Abilene Christian get up by ten? And I'm thinking, oh no. But then here comes Tremont Mark, and what stood out to me when he st- finally started getting to the rim, it looked like he was having fun playing basketball again. It, it, it looked like something something woke up in him, and it was contagious too. And the pl- the whole team started acting like, okay, they're they're having fun playing basketball. This isn't just like a job that they had to come do. Right. <laughs> and um and his his play really kind of jump started the whole team, I think. Uh there was there was a couple possessions in a row where he was getting to the rim and and then you see Caleb Battle come down and kind of took that running three and uh yeah, when it left his hands, I'm like, what is he doing? Right. And then it went in and um and that started to push the lead out. So yeah, um hats off to Tremont Mark for kind of energizing the team in the second half when it looked like, oh, no, are they going to lose to a 5-6 and six Abilene Christian team, you know? Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you can't throw the Duke game in there because he didn't play in it. Um, but there's so many wins this year and even some losses that would have been a lot uglier if it wasn't for Tremont Mark. Like, even Lipscomb, I know he didn't have the second half that he wanted against Lipscomb, but the first half, like, do they win that? They don't win that game without Tremont Mark, in my opinion. They don't win the other night without Tremont Mark, in my opinion, um, against Abilene. North Carolina would have been 
an ugly score if it wasn't for Tremont Mark. Yeah, and that game was already a 15-point game. Yeah, I mean, he's really – we're talking – it's like you learn more as the year progresses. A guy who's indispensable to this team, which it's hard to say indispensable considering they beat Duke without him. But <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and still say it. I don't think they – maybe they don't – Maybe they beat Duke two out of ten times without Tremont Mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's <laughs> but, that's pretty fair. Yeah, I I really like his game. He's that he's so calm. Like he just feels like that that foreshadow you kind of need. That's just like he's been there. He's calm. I, it's it's hard because we keep on wanting to like find like who's like the leader on this team. It's hard to pinpoint a guy like him because he's so quiet and calm. But he does I think lead in a way through like his calmness. It doesn't. It's not like the vocal leadership that you really want to see from like somebody, but it is kind of maybe what this team needs a little bit of somebody that's just like, I've been here. Um, it seems like he doesn't get too down on himself ever. Um, yeah. So I like I like I like what he brings to the team uh, for sure, and I really like his demeanor about it. He's so soft spoken, and Bob Holt actually made a really <laughs> good point about this. Is uh. Like, after a game, you'll hear a press conference, and it won't stick out to you what Tremont Mark is saying because I think of the way he's saying he's just kind of quiet. Like, But then you'll go back and, like, actually transcribe what he said. You're like, oh, he he yeah. gave you some great stuff. You just didn't notice Consistently it. Consistently yeah. does that. Yeah. It's, no doubt. I think that he's kind of that quiet quiet leader, at least. I've, um, I remember when I did the Tremont Mark commitment analysis when he, um, when he pledged to Arkansas. I think it was on Easter. I was actually in Walmart um, in Centerton about to go visit my mom when, when he committed, so shout out to him for that. I, I pulled up his um, CBB analytics, the weekly shout out to CBB analytics. Um, last year, Tremont shot 47% on 66 attempts in the mid-range, and then on short threes, he was 36.3% on 91, uh, on 91 attempts there. And I would be willing to bet that maybe 80, 80 to 85% of the shots that he took the other night against Abilene Christian were probably in those in those two zones. Um, so he's he, I think he – Tremont's really good, really gifted offensive player. I think he's got a pro, pro future because he, he's got – he's got such a bag offensively where he can – obviously if you play up on him, he's, you know, thin and slippery and, and just quick enough to, to be able to get by you. Um, he's got a jump shot that I think is still a work in progress, but he's still what he's he's, he's hitting he's, them. He's for, what is he at forty percent for the year um, shooting the three? Yeah, he's yeah forty two point nine percent. Honestly, wish he would take more, um, but I don't blame him for not because his, his mid range game is pure. He can get to the rim too. Um, just to, I think he, that's a kid that knows who he is um, first and foremost. Do you want to talk about Abilene, the Abilene Christian game a little bit? There was maybe a little bit of a development for Arkansas in that game. I don't think we mentioned it s- somehow on last week's show. Um, Keon Menefield, the 6'1", 150-pound guard transfer from Washington, um, he committed to Arkansas in April. I think he was right before – I think he was like maybe a few days before Tremont Mark committed. Um, really electric – guard with the ball in his hands. When I talked to Percy Percy Allen from the Seattle Times who covered Keon last year at Washington, he said, Arkansas basketball fans can expect a lot of hair and a lot of bones. And he continued that quote, and he was like, um, from a basketball perspective, he's a guy that's really difficult to take the ball from. And I think that's what Arkansas needs. 
um, at this at this point. They need guys who can get them into the offensive sets consistently, not turn the ball over. And as Eric Musselman has on these poster boards um, in the in the practice practice facility, you need to get a shot on goal. Keon can help Arkansas do all of that. Arkansas was down seven at halftime to Abilene. Eric puts Keon in the starting lineup, and the game just it flipped on account of you know the pace that he plays with and the the energy that he plays with. How do, how do y'all think Keon maybe changes this team? Because we've been thinking like, man, if this team's going to round into form, it's got to be L. Ellis. It's got to be you know Layden Blocker or, or you know Tremont Marker, Caleb Battle on the ball. But hell, it might be Keon Minifield. Yeah, his speed on offense is something that Arkansas was really lacking, and and his movement on offense. The we saw so much standing around on offense previously. With him in the game, I mean, he's just all over the floor, and um, he's he's getting himself into good spots, and and just his motion is get, is allowing other players to get into their spots as well. So yeah, his, his, he's so quick, and it, it's um it's something that Arkansas was was really lacking. I liked the other game, uh, the other the last game. I don't know what day it was. It was <laughs> last some, Thursday. Last Thursday. <laughs> um, yeah, there was one point in the game where I was getting really entertained by the small little point guard for Abilene Christian and Keon Minifield were both. It was like they were. It was a game within the game of just like guarding each other and really like trying to claim each other down. But like at the same time, whoever was dribbling the ball was trying to just like shake him off of him and Keon was doing just such a good job of like not letting it rattle him like as far as he was just getting it up the court and kind of getting Arkansas into stuff but there was one time this little guard for Abilene shifty shifty guard too like he was trying to hit Keon with these like dribble and he just dribbles it off of himself and it goes in the back court and they get called and over and back yeah and I just felt like that was like a huge like it's such a small kind of play in the grand scheme of things but it was a momentum type of play as far as like it felt like Keon was getting like, like he knows he's playing some defense right now. He's know the he knows he's kind of getting into his groove on offense. It just felt like he was, he did some small things in that game that ended up like it like won't be on the stat sheet as far as like just energy and maybe like it just felt like he gave a new breath to the team. Yeah. Like they desperately just needed like a breath of something different, and Keon came in and yeah. he gave some energy. I mean, Eric gave him props after the game, too, for, for kind of embodying, you know, the pillars of Eric's program, energy, effort, enthusiasm. He gave Keon a lot of credit for all of that. Um, and I think that, like you mentioned, the the defensive um, turnover that he forced, I think that's where he can be his best defensively because I think you get you get a kid that's 150 pounds on a good day, you get him closer and closer and closer to the rim, I think he can become less and less and less effective, but I think he can, you know, he can apply pressure out there. He's quick enough to, I think, to stay in front of guards. Um, well, obviously, we'll have to see. Um, obviously, this weekend with with Wilmington, they've got a, a veteran group of of guards. Um, but I, th- I think I've liked what I've, I've seen from from Keon to this point. Um, Eleven point six rebounds. I think that was the the number one thing for me the other day. He he he's a help on the glass. And he's got as many offensive rebounds in 47 minutes as Tremont Mark does all all year. Um, turned the ball over four times, but I think a couple of them in the first half were account of him just like trying to make something happen instead of letting the game come to him. I think he'll he'll start to weed those out a little bit better. Um, CBB analytics. I looked 
uh, you know, Keon's only played two games, and I can't do like a specific search for the last two games to see how he's affected Arkansas's offense and defense. But the last five games, um, obviously Keon's only played two of those. He's plus twenty three. Arkansas's plus twenty three when he's on the floor. Arkansas's offensive rating goes up or went up sixteen point seven percent over when he was off the floor. Um, and then Arkansas's defensive rating went down ten point one um, versus when he was off the floor. So I think that's a that's a net rating of twenty six point eight, and that is a net rating that Eric Musselman likes. And so I think you're going to see more and more um, of Keon moving forward. He's just I think his his pace changes a whole a whole lot. It will um, be interesting it, to see him in SEC play, though. I sure. really am interested. Like, yeah, it's one thing to see what he's done against Lipscomb and Abilene, and we really like what we've seen. It's just Goodness, there's some dudes, some dudes in the SEC, and you just wonder if his size will ever come in, especially on the defensive end. But at least on offense, I think that's undoubtedly he gives a breath of fresh air of just movement. <laughs> you need. One of the things I saw the other night in the Abilene game was they put him in, they put Keon and a big in pick and roll action, and they forced the switch, and then the the um, screen setter just like immediately ran to the block, and it's. Keon Minifield's man guarding whoever Arkansas's big was in that action, I think Arkansas could, could take advantage of that. And now it just comes down to Keon getting a pass over the likes of like a, a Janai Broom or, or whoever. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some some things that um, Arkansas can take full advantage of with Keon. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how he does this weekend against Wilmington. I guess we can dive into Wilmington now. Nine and two. They've played three teams this year who are non D one. So if you take those those three games out, they're six and two. But got a, a road win at Kentucky, road win at Georgia Southern, road win at Marshall, uh, road win against UNC Asheville. So this is a team that's not not accustomed to or not unfamiliar with with playing on the road. I'm writing I've, uh, this morning before we started recording. I started writing the what to watch for for this Wilmington game, and the first thing that stood out when I looked at Wilmington's Ken Palm page was their second in the country in turnover rate offensively. They only turn it over 12.6% of their possessions against Division One teams, and if you turn the ball over, if you limit your turnovers, value, possession, and all that, um, Especially on the road, you're going to give your you're going to give yourself a chance to win. And if you look at some of their primary ball handlers, senior, 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 junior, like it's a it's a veteran older team. Um, I think Arkansas's got its work cut out for it. I haven't seen a, a point spread to this point on the game, um, but I think it's going to be another one of those one of those games where Arkansas is just they're going to have to feel Wilmington out. Um, maybe try to create some turnovers, get easy buckets, but uh, it's going to be a. I think it's a really, really good last pre-SEC test. Yeah, it's can't can't be sleepwalking into this one for sure. I mean, you can't in any game, but really, I feel like Wilmington's just a, they're a dangerous team. They haven't talking about like they've been on the road a lot. They they haven't lost since before that Kentucky upset. They're on a four-game win streak. So they got to be feeling good about themselves right now. They know that they can beat an SEC team. So it's just really a team that you're – don't take lightly. Don't be looking ahead to Auburn on the other side. I know we can do that because we don't <laughs> – we aren't playing this game. Right. The players better not be in that mindset of looking Yeah, I don't at have to guard Trezarian White at all. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, we have a photographer here, Andy Shoup, 
and Superman. He's a he's a Kentucky fan. Uh, we won't hold that against him. He's from there. He's not like a bandwagoner Kentucky fan. But he made a good point after the UNC Greensboro game. These guys that play for these whatever you want to call them directional dash North Carolina schools. These are guys that got passed over by Duke and North Carolina and NC State and Wake Forest and all of those big North Carolina powerhouse teams. So these guys play with a huge chip on their shoulder, and they, they, they play like they've got something to prove. And that's why you can't take any of these these North Carolina directional schools lightly. Uh, Arkansas has already experienced that with, with Greensboro. Sure. Yep. And uh, Kentucky lost to this UNC Wilmington team. So, so yeah, you, you can't – take these uh these North Carolina schools lately UNC Wilmington I just wrote this um they've got a turnover rate under 10 percent in three of their last four games away from home the one that they had a turnover rate over 10 percent was the Kentucky game so it's not that's not necessarily like you make them turn it over more than 10 percent of their possessions you're going to win um they've only got three guys that have turned the ball over more than 10 times which is pretty impressive. I think they've got 56 less turnovers than their opponents. Anytime I think you can get that far or that much of a margin um, in, in the turnover disparity, that's going to be um, probably pretty good for you. Trezarian White is a guy um, from Mansfield, Texas, 6'7", 190, small forward. He's going to – like he just put up 27 on Marshall. He had 27 against Kentucky, 27 points, 10 boards. And so Arkansas is just going to have to be – really really aware of him um and then uh i think this name guy's name is shaquem phillips um he's in his fifth year with wilmington um just another just another older veteran guy that kind of knows what the hell he's doing which is was really good to have on the road um esa you you got some some emails coming in pretty hot and heavy you know you probably need to get out of here pretty soon we can we can wrap this up but um Arkansas, UNC, Wilmington, that game, if you're not aware, uh, has been moved up to 4 o'clock on Saturday. The game will be on SEC Network. So if you show up at 6 o'clock, you're probably going to run into a lot of people, but they're going to be leaving the arena. Um, so make sure that, that you you notice that, that game time change, 4 o'clock on SEC Network. Arkansas is looking to close out uh, the non-conference portion of its schedule at 9-4. and four. Um, I think we probably both expected Arkansas to be 10, 11 wins in the non-conference. Um, but I think if Arkansas – look, if Arkansas beats Wilmington on Saturday, they will close out the non-conference portion of their schedule with five wins in their last six games. The vibes right now don't necessarily say that, but that's what the numbers are. And then if Arkansas, you know, they've got some time off, they got a week before, they, before Auburn comes here um, – for the, the SEC opener, I think I think the energy will will be will be pretty good. And I think even maybe more importantly is like you beat Wilmington, you give yourself a chance in league play to really make it up. If you mess around and slip up to Wilmington, you've put yourself in a position to you better in conference play like finish top three somewhere up there. You better finish really high in conference play. You take care of Wilmington, you don't have to be. You're still going to have to have a strong conference season, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you really just – this is a game you can't really afford to lose, in my opinion, heading into the conference play because you have the Greensboro loss. Um, I mean, I know somebody I, – I think I was reading the comments on our last video. Somebody was upset that I said, I think this will be a tournament team by the end of the year. If they don't, if they don't beat Wilmington, I completely retract that <laughs> statement. 
I think that if you lose to Greensboro, I mean, look at the the team that lost to Hofstra that one year. I, I bad losses happen. I get it; they're not on the bubble right now. I still have faith that I think that this team has talent, and I think that by the end of the year they will play themselves into like that bubble range. I still think they could be a tournament team. I don't, I don't take back that statement, but it has to start with Wilmington. If yeah. if you don't beat Wilmington, you you aren't and. I want to clarify. I wasn't saying the last episode that I think right now they're a tournament team. I was just predicting for the future. It seemed like somebody got maybe a little upset by that statement, said that I lost my credibility. I'm, I apologize. I really do. Um, <laughs> but I, I, if they lose to Wilmington, I will go in and I will type in an apology and say, you got me. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about if they lose to Wilmington. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. for it's sure. a must win. It's, I mean, it's hard to say must win in this time of year, but I think at this point you have to finish out your non-conference with a win over them, um, to put yourself in a position to, to, to make the tournament with yeah. your conference play. Yeah. You've got to feel like you've got to have good mojo going into the, yeah. into the new year. And I think it'll be good for this team too, to get into more of a rhythm. Like, I think these, I think these days off are good for guys like, T. Mark, who's coming back from the back and the slash groin slash hip or whatever, um, and Trevin Brazil. I'm looking for Trevin Brazil to. I think I wrote my last how to watch like his aggressiveness. I think that's obviously something to monitor every every game. I'm going to keep throwing him in that how to watch until we see something that you know kind of resembles more of what he's um, what he's capable of and what he's done in the past. Um, Four o'clock SEC Network on Saturday, Arkansas and UNC Wilmington. Will you be there? I will be there. Um, so me and Ethan. My siblings are actually coming up to come hang out in Northwest Arkansas, and they want to be there, but they are waiting to see if there's some sort of ticket thing that happens usually where student tickets mm-hmm. turned into, like, cheaper regular tickets. Yeah. So they might be there, but I will be over there on press row behind Scotty on the second row uh, unless the seating assignments change for some reason. That sounds good. I'll have my Yeah, I noticed that I got there coat. the other night, and all of our all of our – Little place cards were up on the on the second row, so I should have came up there and sat with you. But me and Ethan will both be there. Um, Blake will be there in spirit, definitely watching the game for sure. Um, we appreciate you for listening. To, we appreciate you listening to us ramble and watching us ramble. And um, I hope you guys liked my shoe and appreciated the effort that I made to to show off my new shoes. Um, for Ethan Westerman and Blake Sutton, I'm Scotty Bordelon. Thanks again for listening um, to the Basketball Podcast of Mid America. We will see you next year. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.